back we are after the Thanksgiving holiday. Our bellies are full, our minds are fresh, and we're ready to dive into a subject that's very near and dear to my heart, and I sure hope yours, radio. Yes, radio has evolved drastically, even in the past 34 years since I've been born, but uh, it has always fascinated me a great deal. In fact, I studied broadcasting in college, worked in it for a little while, and it's always been one of my most keen interests, to say the least. So we're going to dabble in it big time today, courtesy of my very special guest. He is John Quincy. Now, John Quincy is the uh, program director and morning show co-host at WTMA Radio the Big Talker, 1250 AM in Charleston, South Carolina. He is a Lexington native, but he has spent the past 40-plus years down in Charleston. And what fascinates me most about John's background is that he has founded a number of amazing tribute sites devoted to Louisville-area radio stations and Charleston-area radio stations. In fact, one of his sites, lkyradio.com, highlights the history of various Louisville and Lexington radio stations all in one. So if you want to hear what radio used to sound like, how it was different back then than it is now, those tribute pages are the perfect avenues for you to uh, explore that, and you can spend, gosh, hours upon hours on those pages. So hear all about them right here, right now, with myself and Mr. John Quincy on Blabbit in the Bluegrass Season 6, Episode 25. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Sturgis to Stanley, Stanton to Stanford, nobody but nobody covers the Commonwealth in the fashion that we do here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as we thoughtfully and wholeheartedly explore and celebrate everything that is Kentucky. How in the world are you? I'm saying more coming at you as per usual from the immaculate, incomparable North Quail Motel in stunning Henderson KY as we get ready to talk radio, uh, putting emphasis on tribute pages, especially in the second half of my conversation with Mr. John Quincy. He is a Lexington native who has worked in radio for over four decades. So to say that he has seen a ton of changes in the realm of radio would be quite an understatement, to say the least. And uh, he has developed a number of tribute sites, but the one that I have spent the most time on is one called LKYRadio.com. In fact, the late Moon Mullins, my program director at uh, WBKR in Owensboro back in the day, he told me about the site because he had some air checks on it, which for those of you that don't know, an air check is just basically like the clip of a station. You know, a clip from uh, a show that aired at a certain day and time from the past. And so uh, I would get on and, and listen to Moon's Air Checks as well as plenty others. There are uh, a number of others from different stations. And uh, to, to supplement the Air Checks, there is uh, plenty more neat stuff available on all of John's tribute sites. So uh, we'll learn more about them as we go along. And uh, I still find myself someday spending hours upon hours <laughs> listening to all the great stuff from uh, radio's yesteryear, shall we say. And so if you want to hear what radio used to sound like, maybe you're not old enough to uh, have ever heard what radio used to sound like, but uh, it sounds quite a bit different uh, now than it did even back when I was little in many cases. And, you know, before that time, it was even more different. So the, uh, the history of, of broadcasting is... 
mind-boggling, if I do say so myself. I am a little biased since that's what I studied, and it's a passion of mine. But uh, we'll find out more about how you can learn about uh, radio's fascinating history and uh, relive its fascinating history if you're old enough to remember back when radio was when it was, back in the uh, quote-unquote golden age. So stand by for my visit with Mr. John Quincy. It is coming up in mere, mere moments. But before we get to John, I have a bluegrass brain buster hot off the press. We try to do one of these every week, so... We'll give you the question now, and you can think on it while uh, John and I chat it up, and we will have the answer for you at the end of the show. So, on a previous episode of Blabbit in the Bluegrass, I think it was one of my first ones, actually, we told you that uh, the Mighty 840 WHAS in Louisville was the very first station in in Kentucky, for that matter. Very first station in Kentucky. It was founded back in uh, 1922. Now this time, I want to know, what was Kentucky's first television station? Again, we told you a while back that WHAS Radio in Louisville, that was the first radio station in Kentucky. They signed on in 1922. Today, I want to know, what was Kentucky's very first television station? So you get the wheels churning, And we will provide you with those details in the program's final segment. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, today, I tell you folks, if you are radio junkies like me, you definitely need to get to know this guy. He has worked in radio for uh, over four decades at uh, various stations and Kentucky and Georgia and South Carolina, but what I'm most fascinated by are the uh, the tribute sites that uh, he has designed and continues to design. He uh, he has two tribute pages dedicated to um, specific Louisville radio stations, and he has three sites uh, devoted to specific Charleston, South Carolina radio stations. So we're going to hear about those and. Uh, He's also got one called LKYRadio.com that a former program director of mine told me about. Gosh, I guess it's been 12 years ago now, and I've been uh, hooked on it ever since. Very fascinated by it. So here to tell us about uh, his radio career and uh, how he found his inspiration to start the the sites and how he's uh, gathered the info and material for them, all that fun stuff and anything else that Maybe I can pry out of him. Uh, joining us uh, direct via Zoom from Somerville, South Carolina, it's Mr. John Quincy. Hey, Sam. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on. Well, we're always yeah. glad to to have you. And, uh, you know, long distance is always even even more of a privilege. And even though you've been in uh, in South Carolina since, I guess, 81, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, 81, but uh, you are a native of Lexington. That's right, Lexington, yeah, and uh, grew up in a, a very religious family. And part of that experience of uh, being in a Christian household was going to church camp every summer in Fern Creek, Kentucky. And when I was 15 years old in 1970, you do the math, you can figure out how old I am. Uh, <laughs> I I uh, smuggled, this was for, forbidden, I smuggled in a, a transistor radio and uh, started dialing around in my dorm there and uh, discovered W-A-K-Y, Wacky. And that was the most incredible thing I'd ever heard. Uh, in Kentucky, I'd listened to the radio before, or in Lexington, where I'm from. But uh, this uh, station was light years ahead of uh, what was being uh, broadcast in Lexington. Uh, very exciting, very dynamic, and really inspired me. Uh, not so much the personalities, uh, but how do they do all that stuff? How do those songs come on the air like that? And and how did we end up uh, hearing these short songs about the radio station popping up and and uh, the the news and how did that all came came together and and really sounded great. And so when I got back to Lexington, I said, "Well, I'm going to go tour my local radio stations, and uh, maybe they can show me how it's done." So I think the first station I went to was WLAP when it was down on Walnut Street in Lexington. And uh, I did a, uh, did a tour and uh, saw the turntables and cart machines uh, and uh, the microphones and stuff and was just smitten 
by radio and uh, got involved in a junior achievement company uh, that was being sponsored by WVLK. They would turn over a half hour every Wednesday night to uh, the local JA radio club. And we'd sell the advertisements and get on the air and even pick out the music and stuff within format of the station. And yeah. <laughs> uh, that was that was really exciting. And uh, I said, this is something I got to do. So by the time I uh, graduated the 11th grade, my 11th grade class, I did go on to graduate 12th grade, too. But between my 11th and 12th <laughs> grade, uh, I got a, a full time job at a station in Paris, Kentucky, not too far from Lexington. And uh, worked there seven days a week for the summer. And it was crazy because I had no social life that year. Uh, but <laughs> I was run, running uh, Cincinnati Reds baseball games and playing really bad country music. Country <laughs> music is okay today, but it was really bad in 1972 with Merle Freddie. Haggard and Willie Nelson, oh, all that fun stuff. Oh, Tammy Wynette, Red Lynn and stuff. And, you know, <laughs> somebody who's 16 years old, that's the kiss of death. But it was radio and it got me some experience and later went on to work at WEKY in Richmond, WAXU in Georgetown, back for more country music and uh, uh, eventually ended up in, uh, let's see, I worked in Richmond, uh, Kentucky, generally around the central Kentucky area, ended up in Lexington working at uh, WBLG, which was 1300 adult contemporary station at the time. And eventually uh, after going back to work at WAXU, a second time, uh, decided that uh, I would uh, leave the snowy winters. I remember sliding off the road, going to work, turning on the radio station at, uh, at, uh, on Ironworks Pike in Georgetown, Kentucky at WAXU. And uh, a guy was interested in me from some tapes I'd sent out before and uh, uh, flew me down to uh, Savannah, Georgia in 1979. And I saw the ocean for the first time and uh, saw the palm trees and asked him, uh, how often does it snow and how much? He says, I think we got a light dusting 10 years ago. That's all <laughs> 10 I, years ago. <laughs> I, I, I ended up taking the job, which was afternoons, for the exact same money that I was making at WAXU in Georgetown. Uh, but I didn't have to get up early in the morning. I didn't have to worry about signing the station on. And I didn't have to worry about icy roads. So yeah, <laughs> warmer weather and the same amount of money. So it was just sort of, you know, icing on the cake there. And so you you smuggled in a radio to uh, to camp in 1970, and you discovered wacky radio. Gosh, wacky was such a a giant back in the day. And I think you know from what I've heard, they had a a, a nationwide audience <laughs> almost, didn't they? They had a great reputation. I mean, they were one of the top stations around the country. Uh, certainly, you couldn't hear them anywhere outside of Louisville, not like today, where you can listen to radio stations on the Internet uh, if you're out of the uh, reception uh, range. But, uh, yeah, they were, uh, they were known as a great place to, to break music. And, of course, one of the, the good things about Wacky is they had a strong competitor, a 1080 WKLO, and they were going back and forth. Wacky ended up winning most of those contests. But WKLO gave him a good run for the money. And I think when you have two competitors that are strong in the same radio format, you end up uh, making each other a better radio station, which makes uh, the listening experience in that particular market, Louisville, in this case, uh, a lot better. Yeah, exactly. So those are those were two biggies. And you've got tribute sites for both of those uh, stations, which will talk about a little more later on but let's say back in 1970 the biggies at uh wacky radio as far as the uh the jocks go were uh, i guess the duke of louisville was there bill bailey yeah i don't remember hearing bailey that much then but i i discovered that when i went down to kentucky i went back to lexington rather uh that uh, i could still pick up wacky during the daytime so i checked him out then i remember many a morning uh, going to school in my 1965 Corvair, listening to Bill Bailey in, in Lexington on my way to Bryan Station Senior High School. And uh, uh, he was great. But the people I remember the most uh, from my initial uh, tune into Wacky that week in 1970 was John W. Dude Walker and Dude Gary Walker. <laughs> Gary Burbank, you know, doing the jokes, doing the voices. I mean, oh, you know. Yeah. 
that he was he was he was really amazing uh well they they all were it and uh a lot of great personalities i remember hearing johnny randolph on the air and i forget who was on at night in 1970 i guess i would look at my website and figure that out it's <laughs> <laughs> okay that's a there's a lot to remember there but uh, yeah johnny randolph was a biggie of course uh gary burbank you mentioned him he went on to have a, a great career in uh in Cincinnati at WLW, I know for a lot of years. Oh yeah, and, Weird Beard was who I was trying to think about. Oh, Weird Beard all the night. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That name, that name sounds familiar too. But like you said, you fell in love with radio, and then you uh, got involved in a uh, junior achievement program at uh, WVLK, and uh, one of your teachers told you about that, didn't they? Yeah, I was an English teacher, and uh, and uh, she had a teacher's assistant there who had actually done that. And uh, I thought that was really exciting. So I uh, was able to, to, to get involved in that when I was a junior year in high school. And that gave me enough experience uh, for the people in uh, Paris, Kentucky to hire me. Yeah, so exactly. that was pretty cool. <laughs> and they turned the radio station over to you yahoos for a, for a half hour. So I guess depending on, let's say, was this like a 12 week or you know 13 week type of thing? It went through the school year, but, you know, there were a lot of great um, uh, folks that you might remember in um, in Louisville. Doug McElvin uh, ended up uh, working there uh, in the Junior Achievement Program. Uh, he, uh, uh, Danny Masden, also known as Dan Mason, uh, who worked at WKLO, he was uh, part of that, I believe. And uh, John Shumway was in there, and a guy by the name of Carl Belcher, uh, was in there uh, at the time that I was there, and he ended up becoming changing his name and became one of the top uh, uh, programmers in in uh, America. We had about one person each year that would go on and make their career in it. I don't know what the rest of the people did, but we all had a lot of fun. It was a nice way to spend a Wednesday night. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> nice way to get together and play some good tunes and just have a good time. That was um was Ralph Hiker at WVLK yet at that point? I believe he was, but I don't remember actually seeing him. Uh, I remember seeing Jim Jordan there. Of course, this was all after hours. Right, uh, yeah, this was uh, at nighttime, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I did, uh, from time to time, come up and watch some of the afternoon jocks work when I got off of school, uh, which was cool. There you go. And I know Ralph, uh, <laughs> Ralph went on to be uh, – program director and uh, general manager of the station there uh, years later but uh yeah yes you were you were well trained and then you uh, you went on to paris and spent a year there that was your first full-time gig as you mentioned um what were the uh what were the most notable lessons that you learned from from that first full-time radio job well, it was part-time. It was just a summertime job. Okay. But Even though it was seven days a week, it was part-time. <laughs> it was seven, it was seven days a week. And I think I was making a dollar sixty an hour, which was minimum wage at the time. Oh gotcha. I trust you learned a lot while you were having fun. I did, but you know, I was pretty slack about it. I didn't I I I, I wasn't that big of a baseball fan before I started, but by the time I ended trying to keep up with the Cincinnati Reds games. Uh, I would. Uh, I became a big baseball fan and a big fan of the Reds. And of course, the '70s when the Reds were really good, the Red, a uh, big Red machine was going on. Uh, with uh, I remember Al Michaels was doing the play-by-play -play that first year that I was there, and then uh, I eventually ran Reds games at other stations when uh, Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxall were the team on, and I uh, really enjoyed that. But you know, I was kind of a I was a goof uh, when I was. 16 years old I would would uh, I was bored with running the ball game so I wanted to go into the production studio and play around there so I would uh, let the uh, let the games kind of run by themselves and miss spots and of course if back in those days that if you didn't run the uh, if you didn't cover uh, the ID uh, when they say we pause now for station identification this is the Cincinnati Reds baseball network what you would hear is WLW Cincinnati. Oh yeah, you know? if you didn't break away from the network. <laughs> yeah, so I messed that up a lot, and I think uh, the station eventually went automated. And I think by the time that happened and the baseball season was over, they had enough of me. So it was it was fine. It was fine for a while, and uh, 
uh, at least got me my first job and then was able to go work for uh, uh, W.E.K.Y. a few months later. And I worked for the guy that hired me was uh, was uh, Rich Gimmel, who I believe worked in TV in Louisville. Certainly he's a manufacturer there. He works for Atlas Manufacturing. Oh, he did work in radio. He worked at he was a, a wacky newsman. I think he worked at, at KLO, too. But uh, he uh, he he hired me and uh, we had a, a, a great couple of months there. And then uh, I think I got fired for being a smart aleck. <laughs> <laughs> so. And, and so Dan Mason, who, uh, who went on to become the president of CBS radio was the guy that fired me. And, uh, I don't blame him for doing it, you know, looking back at it. And they always say that, uh, you're not really in radio unless you've been fired three times. So I, have I was well on my way to the, the magic three at a very early age. Oh, God. <laughs> that's hysterical. But anyway, you, you skipped around Lexington for a while and then, uh, Ended up in Savannah in 79, and um, you were a rock jock in Savannah, weren't you? Well, I started out at an AC station, uh, which was 6.30 on the dial. It's WKBX. And right about a month after I got there, uh, they informed me that the radio station was going to be a partial simulcast of the FM station and uh, 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 automation the rest of the time. And the people apologized to me because they just made the decision. And the program director says, I would have never moved you down here if I would have known that. And uh, But it worked out good. The God was smiling on me. And uh, a couple of weeks later, I was doing nights at a top 40 station on FM. And uh, life was great. And that's when, that's when my radio career really started, uh, playing the hits on uh, the, um, I forget what we called the station, but it was Z102. That was Z-A-T, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess top 40 back then would have been like your your Eagles and Steely Dan and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. I It's, um, um, we call it the Music FM. Like, music okay. FM. <laughs> I don't know where they got that from, but uh, don't most FMs play music? Yeah, exactly. They, yeah, they do. And if they don't play music, <laughs> isn't that a waste? Shouldn't they be on AM? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always associate talk with AM, and I guess I always will. But, uh, but yes, the music FM, so that's what you did in, uh, in Savannah. And then you moved uh, up the coast to, to Charleston in 81, or I guess as they say down there, Charleston. Uh, Charleston, yeah, the, the, uh, the low country of South Carolina, and have been here ever since. Uh, did four years at a uh, top 40 station. Uh, doing afternoons and middays later and uh, becoming production director and then uh, got a chance to program an AC station across the street. Did that for a while and um, I've just bounced around Charleston. Since then, I've been at my current uh, company for uh, 20 years and uh, right now I'm doing mornings and program director of a news talk station, WTMA, which is a station that was kind of like the wacky of uh, of uh, Charleston, uh, a legacy station only. Uh, one of the cool things about WTMA is that it uh, signed on the air in 1939, and that were that those were the call letters WTMA, and kept the call letters uh, until this day. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, and the call letters still exist. It's uh, the big talker at at 12:50 a.m. And then uh, you were telling me you also. Um, do a voice track for a classic hit station under the same ownership, don't you? Yeah, we have a station called 96.9 The Wolf, W-I-W-F. Oh, The Wolf. And, uh, the station is uh, uh, classic hits, Charleston's classic hits. And uh, I do a weekend shift uh, every weekend there. Uh, I'm there at the radio station on Saturdays doing some stuff for WTMA. And then it takes me 30 minutes to or so to voice track a, a four-hour shift. And then also do some filling when somebody else is gone and uh, uh, they don't mind me doing it. So uh, it's, uh, you know, I don't get paid any extra for it, but uh, it's fun to, to, uh, to keep your, uh, keep your toe in the water. Yeah. You know, <laughs> variety is, is always fun. You know, it allows you to uh, dabble in a bunch of different um, formats. And um, as we, as we sort of mentioned here before you started, focusing primarily on on news talk you you pretty much dabbled in every format 
known to man from uh, adult contemporary to oldies to to country to um rock and roll or what was called rock and roll back in the day so uh just out of curiosity of all those musical formats that uh, that you worked in if you had to choose a favorite uh what do you think that would be I think probably would be uh, top 40 the way it was done in the uh, 80s, you gotcha. know, before, before consolidation and voice tracking and when everything was live 24 hours a day, uh, you know, with the excitement of talking to people on the air. Well, we still do that today, but uh, uh, all the jingles and, and uh, fun, I think probably that would, would be my favorite one that I've ever done, um, even uh, working at the z102 in savannah we had a good time we didn't use jingles but we had a had a great time playing the hits of the day so yeah. that was that was pretty cool exactly and yeah, then... I've, enjoy, I've enjoyed country and and i enjoy news talk because one cool thing about news talk is that uh it's the most current station on the dial no matter if you're in the same building as we are with a chr station or a, a urban contemporary station the songs that they're playing, you know, are recorded, you know, a month ago. We're talking about stuff that just happened yesterday or maybe this morning. So, um, yeah, uh, people say, you know, news talk, ah, it's just for older people. But no, it's for people that want to know what's going on and uh, and uh, really want to keep up with the world. And 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 we talk about the things that that really can affect your life especially as you get older and start having to pay taxes and and uh, have to get a mortgage and things like that uh, uh suddenly music's not as important as no it <laughs> no but and um you know when whenever you have school closings you really appreciate those news talk stations too i know you probably don't have to deal with that much in south carolina but maybe sometimes <laughs> no we don't have to do that i have been at stations where we've had to read the uh school closings and the high school football scores and yeah i remember working as a disc jockey at night and now it's you're hard to find a disc jockey at night i bet you there there aren't more than three people on in louisville radio that are live between at seven night. and night yeah the, <laughs> those live night jocks are are hard to find by the time you venture back in the country i guess we were um, about in the in the nineties or so, and I, I'm sure you like nineties country quite a bit more than that seventies country you were playing back in Paris. <laughs> I do, as a matter of fact. Uh, I've got Sirius XM in my car. Uh, I, uh, even though I think it's wrong to pay for it, my wife disagrees with me. I think radio should be free. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree. one of one of the one of the stations uh, that we have on our presets, I think it's called Prime Country. And it plays all that uh, Patty Loveless, George Strait stuff that uh, I used to play uh, when I was working at, how's this for a name for our country station? Bubba, 107.5. Yeah, Bubba. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Bubba, 107.5. It's not still called Bubba, is it? No, no, no. They had some crazy program director that came in and said, you know, Bubba is what people in South Carolina call each other, you know. Uh, men anyway you know that's so it's, fitting though <laughs> yeah it's, it's perfect and so the guy comes in and he says uh we're going to call it cat country now cat that country. might work in lexington kentucky you know where you've got a big cat presence sure but you know we don't you know we do have a school here called uh, that has their mascot is the cougars but other than that it made no sense whatsoever other than the fact that that it was alliteration and, you know, half the people don't even like cats anyway. They're more dog people. <laughs> more dog folks. Yeah. yeah. So so that was, it's like, he, he came in, he was a Yankee, I guess. And he came in and said, said uh, yeah, we're going to take this station, make it cat country. Because there's a station up in, you know, some northern city that's doing really well with that. And so anyway. Interesting. That was, that was, you know, if you work in radio long enough, you can, uh see some of the boneheaded decisions that management makes from time to time yeah the... I've been management too and i've made a few myself well no no so no. so we so we, so we all we all have our share of those little peccadilloes oh you're no no you're you're the exception to the rule sir but i have heard of uh quite a few cat country so i guess he just i guess he just thought it sounded good now um uh, 
to the uh, the aspect of your background that that I found uh, most fascinating and and still find most fascinating is your uh, your tribute sites. You've got uh, lkyradio.com, which is uh, devoted to Louisville and Lexington radio, and then as we said, you've got uh, two two sites specifically uh, targeting Louisville stations, and then you've got three targeting uh, South Carolina stations where you have air checks and and things like that that are posted on the site so uh tell me what uh what exactly uh inspired you to gather all these great little nuggets and start these tribute sites well in the early 2000s uh 2003 maybe uh i uh, was thinking about uh, my inspiration for radio and the station that did get me inspired enough to go into radio and eke out a living for over 50 years now was a W-A-K-Y, and uh, I thought, well, you know, it would be pretty cool to uh, talk to Johnny Randolph uh, and and find him around if he's still doing stuff and interview him and ask him questions about Wacky, and I'd uh, uh, accumulated some uh, what we call air checks, tapes of the uh, radio station and uh, a lot of the old Wacky jingles and stuff, and found out that he was working in uh, Pikeville, Kentucky, for Walter May at the time. And uh, so I, uh, I communicated with him, and I said, I'm going to send you some questions, and if you'll answer them in your production studio, where the recordings will sound good, and where it's not over the telephone, um, then uh, I'll, I want to put something together. And it was called Wacky Remembered. And uh, it was a narrated production. It's about an hour long. And... Um, that was very successful. It was it was really successful. Um, it uh, uh, went up on a site called realradio.com. And uh, I was told it was one of their most popular exhibits for a long time because Wacky was really a great radio station that had a national following uh, in the industry. And people enjoyed hearing it and uh, getting uh, Johnny Randolph's recollections of what he did at Wacky and some of the stunts they pulled and uh, the disc jockeys there, like Coyote Calhoun and Mason Lee Dixon, and of course Bill Bailey and things like that. So that was a, a, a big success. And I thought about doing a sequel, but um, I was talking to Bob Todd, who was the program director at Wacky before Johnny Randolph. And uh, I said, what if instead of. Uh, doing a sequel an audio only thing what if i put together a website because i was building websites uh, for other people i said there are a lot of radio stations that have uh, websites not current stations but you know uh, classic top 40 stations like wabc and wls and i said wacky needs to have one too i'm surprised nobody's ever done it and so he encouraged me on and uh so i put one up and used what material i had and uh, suddenly people began responding. I heard from former employees uh, that uh, were able to contribute their pictures and air checks. And I was able to scan in some surveys and stuff. And uh, after a little while, uh, the next people I heard from were the old WKLO jo- jocks. Ah. Uh, the, the old WKLO jocks. And they said, well, what are you going to do for me? <laughs> and, you know, we were there too. Yeah, we were wacky said, competitors. <laughs> Yeah, I said, well, you guys, if you'll send me the stuff, I'll put it on 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 the site. And uh, at first, uh, the WKLO stuff was on the wacky site. And I eventually uh, got so much that I gave them their own site. And there you go. So, <laughs> these, so... These, these were both uh, successful. Um, this was, I think, before Facebook came on the scene. So we had message boards set up and people could get on and talk about the radio stations and um um eventually i thought well let's do another one and i ended up talking to mark travis a guy i know who used to do uh, uh be part of louisville radio used to do traffic reports for whas oh yeah and, i remember mark uh, and uh he said that when he left whas he was a he was put in charge of archiving just a lot of material from uh from whas and i said hey well if you'll contribute that material, you know, make, let me make copies of it. Then I will uh, uh, put a WHAS website together. And uh, then we thought about it and fleshed it out. And he said, well, you know, I've got some Lexington stuff too. And I've got stuff from 
other Louisville radio stations. So why don't we do uh, LKY with the L standing for either Louisville or Lexington? Yeah, and, either uh, or. Yeah. And HAS, of course, is the main main draw. Uh, but uh, over the uh, over the years, I've been able to add more to the other Louisville radio stations. I don't put too much current stuff up there. Um, I have an unofficial cutoff of 1996 when the Telecommunications Act came in. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you had eight radio stations in a building and uh, right. one receptionist for all of them. You know, and a lot of a lot of good people were being put out of work. And but I, I like to remember the radio, uh, the way it was done. When you had people like Joe Donovan on the air, uh, playing oldies in the middle of the night, you know, and uh, you had uh, other people there on WHAS, which is a great radio station, even though it wasn't top forty. Uh, they certainly were uh, uh, music oriented uh, during the times I remember listening to them uh, growing up, and uh, certainly had a first class news department. And I've uh, had great personalities. Uh, that tradition carries on today with folks like Terry Miners. Yeah, Terry's still there. And I guess I got Tony Cruz in the morning. They're still live um, a lot of times during the day. They're not at night anymore, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, that station has a lot of tradition for sure. So it all started with uh, with Wacky, and that led to the KLO tribute page and then uh, LKY. And then I guess your, your Charleston uh, radio tribute pages came shortly thereafter uh i don't remember i think i think i did the start of the wtma site um before i did the wacky site so that kind of gave me some experience in what okay, it was i gotcha and uh i uh i encountered a whole bunch of i got a bunch of wtma material even though i wasn't there really during the glory days and i worked for their fm station uh during the 80s and i worked at wssx which is the old WTMA FM. But uh, what happened with that is uh, I found out that uh, TM, WTMA was going to have their 60th anniversary. And I said, this is going to be great. They had special programming. Uh, and uh, this was 1989, I believe. And I was listening to it and uh, heard what they came up with. They had almost nothing that they had saved from being on the air for 60 years. No old shows, no old air checks, uh, just a few DJs or other personalities they'd brought in. And I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, was in the engineering area here in uh, Charleston. And I said, this is really pathetic. The WTMA has been around for 60 years, now going on 85, right. uh, that uh, doesn't have any of that stuff. So I, I, even though I wasn't working there at the time, I set out to collect uh, uh, WTMA material and um, um, because it was um, before it switched to news talk in 1989 uh, was a, uh, a a monster top 40 station I mean in the 60s and 70s that's all people in Charleston listened to uh, they had huge ratings and uh, this is before the onset of FM of course but WTMA was the station to listen to. And so I said, this is, this needs to be, uh, needs to be preserved. I don't know who cares about it. And as time goes on, more and more people are, are leaving us that listened to WTMA back then. But uh, I just thought it was something that needed to be done. And it was actually a lot of fun to put together. Yeah. And then the other, the other Charleston websites, uh, there was one uh, for WCSC, which was a, uh, AC station it was the first station in Charleston came on the air in 1930 and I had worked for their FM so I had some of their their material and uh, they tried to compete with WTMA for a while and that was kind of fun and then there's another station called WOKE uh, wonderful woke radio and that was before being woke was a nasty thing or a preferable thing depending upon your political spectrum <laughs> you look at uh, it <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, but uh, woke was uh, was a crazy radio station I used to listen to uh, from time to time, just mainly for laughs because uh, they were uh, it was just a they used to to sell a will kits for five dollars on the air, you know we sent them five dollars and they would send you uh, something they ran off their mimeograph machine where you could make your own will. Uh, it was a very interesting radio station. And I found some people that did indeed like that kind of radio. This would be the kind of radio that your grandparents would listen to sure. back in the day. 
<laughs> and uh, kind of, kind of put together a, a, a site for that. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I've got to say though that that's all because of the former employees and the former listeners uh, of these radio stations that have come to my rescue. Because I had a little bit for each of these stations. I had a little bit of WKLO, a little bit of Wacky, a little bit of WHAS, uh, but. Uh, it's the people who have responded that said, hey, yeah, I used to work there. I've got an air check. Or, hey, I've got some pictures here that I can share with you. That's where the websites really come from. I just put it together. And I'm forever uh, grateful to the, the, the dozens and dozens of people over the years who've opened up their personal collections and made it possible that uh, uh, people can remember these radio stations, even though they're not as great as they used to be or not even on the air anymore, but they bring back a lot of good memories and a lot of good times. And I'm just happy that uh, we were able to do that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's good for, good for nostalgia. And it's great that you've had uh, so much excitement and a lot of uh, contributions to, to, to all of your sites. Now, uh, speaking of wacky radio, you, uh, I noticed when I was uh, perusing YouTube a few days ago, you had the privilege of, being a guest DJ on Louisville's current version of Wacky Radio, didn't you? I've had the privilege of doing that uh, maybe five or six times over oh, the years okay. since they originally came on. And uh, yeah, there's air checks that uh, you can download if you want to hear what I sound like. But that was that was tremendous fun to go up there and play that music and, and actually uh, play the old wacky jingles and just uh, go crazy, especially after after being a news talk disc jockey, <laughs> no disc to play except the bumper music. <laughs> yeah. we, <laughs> news you know, on the hour. <laughs> yeah. ABC News coming up next. It's nine o'clock. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to do that. And even it was just for a couple of hours each time and to uh, uh, get to know those people. I mean, they're doing great work. They've got incredible ratings. People still remember. Some people still think it is the original Wacky. They don't. Uh, they hear the call letters and the jingles and stuff, and they say, "Hey, that's the station I used to listen to." And, <laughs> that's uh, the same one. <laughs> yeah, but they they brought Wacky back uh, in right in Louisville. I guess it was um, early two thousand, sometimes uh, or it's, it's, you know some at some point around there, and it. You know, they play the same, basically the same kind of music that that Wacky used to play. And uh, they've also had a number of similar personalities. I know they had Johnny Randolph back there for a lot of years at the uh, yep. new incarnation of Wacky. Of course, we, uh, we lost Johnny earlier this year, I believe. Yeah, last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah so we, we definitely miss him. But he was a, you know, a longtime fixture at... Uh, the original Wacky and the, uh, the the new version of of Wacky. So um, you know we've talked yeah. about the uh, we've talked about the air checks that you know people can find from all of these um, you know different stations on your tribute pages. But um, that's not all. In addition to the air checks, there's a lot more that people can can see and and read and learn. So talk about. Uh, all that other stuff that we'll be treated to when we visit LKY Radio, as as well as your other tribute pages. Yeah, on all the sites, there's photos of uh, the the personalities and people that used to work there. Uh, also, pictures of uh, studios. If you're like me, that like to go back and see what it was like before the computer took over radio, when disc jockeys actually ran these things called boards and yes, commercial jingles off these tape cartridges and played their music off turntables uh it was pretty cool to see those uh there's also uh stories uh from uh, various people um there's uh, uh bios uh of uh of people that used to work at these radio stations especially on the wacky and the wklo sites uh where are they now and of course it's really sad that uh, several times a year we have to update that people's listings when we find out that they've passed away but uh, uh -huh. the uh, their memory, and especially if they've got uh, like Bill Bailey, you know, there's we have a ton of Bill Bailey ear checks uh, there at the Wacky site, and even some on the KLO site, where you can go back and get your fix of the Duke of Louisville. I think he, the governor of Kentucky, 
he told me, gave him that name. Oh, the, the Duke governor of did. Okay. There, there was a comedian that used to call himself the Duke of Paducah. The Duke and of Paducah. Uh, I think that was the inspiration of that. There you go. Yeah, that's how we get the Duke of Louisville. And uh, I, tell, I I don't know how big Bill Bailey got such a New York accent. I think he was from North Carolina originally. Bill Bailey? Yeah, he was. He was from uh, New Bern, uh, North Carolina. Although you would never know it by listening to him. It no, sounded like he was brought up in the in the Bronx. But I said, when I interviewed Bill, I asked him, you know, how did he learn to talk that way? He says, that's just the way I talk. There's, yeah, there's... <laughs> We have interviews of, of all the personalities, uh, of a lot of the personalities, uh, like Bill Bailey and Johnny Randolph and Gary Burbank and uh, Mason Lee Dixon and folks like that. I got a chance to interview those people, and uh, they're uh, almost like a podcast. You can download and listen to them at your leisure. And uh, the photos, uh, I mentioned that. And uh, yeah. pretty much I've we've had people that uh, past personalities that would <clears> – <throat> write articles uh, a guy by the name of michael lewis griffin worked at wacky in the 70s and i asked him a question uh, about his job as a production director because i found that interesting because you know was, he was a disc jockey on the air but his main job was uh production director and so i sent him a bunch of questions and he answered them and so it's a fascinating behind the scenes of uh, how wacky produced all their commercials, which they had to have in order to make money so they could keep on broadcasting and hiring such great personalities. So commercial, exactly. of, course, of course, they didn't run, you know, eight minutes or nine minutes at one time like uh, today's radio stations do. <laughs> it's amazing. People listen to Wacky. I only hear, you know, three minutes of commercials at a time. Yeah, I know it's a, yeah, it's a a big difference there. But yeah, from from uh, newspaper articles to to pictures, you name it, it's all uh, on those tribute sites. And I've had um, I've had Rob Calhoun on my show before, and I know he's a Kentucky radio historian, and he's made a oh, number yeah. of contributions to your site. He has, he has. Rob has has done uh, some great work for me. Him and uh, uh, Mike Griffin, who I mentioned before. Uh, the, the day that we're recording it, uh, this podcast is Mike uh, Mike's seventy uh, first birthday, and when I started the Wacky Site, he really helped me a lot. He had a lot of tapes that he contributed, a lot of other Wacky paraphernalia. Plus, he also, um, when I found out that uh, some people in Louisville had some stuff that they were willing to donate or let me let me borrow so I could scan, uh, he actually did the legwork of, of driving to find this stuff and sending it down to me and really helped me a lot with the first uh, WAKY, WKLO reunion we did back in, in 1950 or 1950, <laughs> 2005. <laughs> 1505, same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but that's cool stuff and happy birthday to Mike. And of course, we've got, a, we've got something that uh, we've got a, a wacky WKLO reunion website uh, that has been up for a long, long time. Um, actually, it's a Facebook page. Facebook page. There, you can get the the links to it from our website, or just uh, do a search in Facebook for WAKY dash WKLO, and uh, it'll pop up. And uh, you're welcome to join that. It is, it is private, but we're pretty good at letting people in. And yeah, uh, so just express to, interest, and you'll to, be welcome. For people that people that don't uh, want to do websites anymore. I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of stuff there on that Facebook page, but there is so much more at 79waky.com, 1080wklo.com, and lkyradio.com that yes. uh, it's worth worth taking a look at. Yeah, I love the intro whenever I go to LKY Radio and they say, lkyradio.com. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is that? Who is that voice? Uh, that is... Um, I don't know. It's been a while since I've heard it. Is it Sonovox? Is that who who it is? It's a mechanical sounding thing, electronic. Oh, thing. Okay, so that's actually okay. Yeah, so that's that wouldn't actually be a human being. That's just the wonders of technology. Well, actually, a, a human being did do that. A guy by the name of uh, Ken in uh, Ken Justice in Dallas did that. Oh, Ken Justice. Okay, well, he's uh, between him and the technology. That uh, that sounds uh, quite awesome. But folks, be sure and uh, 
check it out. All of those sites, I'll link you to lkyradio.com. And from there, you can uh, also check out uh, John's other uh, tribute pages, uh, particularly WAKY and WKLO. You can link to those through um, lkyradio.com. And John, in case anybody has questions or comments or perhaps new additions for any of your sites, how would you prefer that they get a hold of you, sir? Well, I have several email addresses, but uh, the one that's sure to get to me is jq at johnquincy.net. JQ, the two letters like John Quincy, jq at johnquincy.net. You can also go to john at 79waky.com, john at lkyradio.com, or john at 1080wklo.com. Or you can just, uh, just, uh, Hook up on Facebook, you know, send me a message on Facebook. Yeah, do the Facebook thing. So John's easy to to track down with anything that uh, that you'd like to to mention or inquire about or or contribute. So, you know, John's definitely all ears, and you can catch him on the big talker WTMA. That's 1250 AM in Charleston. And you're on there weekday mornings, uh, what is it, six to ten? No, seven to nine, seven to nine, just two hours. Okay. Well, yep. that's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. And then, uh, and then you can uh, listen sh- on WTMA.com or uh, places like iHeartRadio carry us too. Yeah. So you can stream it online if, if you're outside of Charleston and um, Sherry Bernardi is your partner, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And isn't she good? She makes me sound even better. So, <laughs> oh, boy, I, you I don't need do- any help on that. Oh, trust me. Trust me. She's, she's a lot smarter. <laughs> And a lot better speaker than I am. So no. uh, <laughs> no. it's, it's really it's really her show. I'm just kind of the monkey pushing the buttons behind the scenes. <laughs> hey, somebody somebody's got to be the monkey. So make sure you check uh, John and Sherry out. Be entertained and be informed uh, each weekday morning from seven to nine Eastern. Well, uh, John, this has been fabulous. I've had a ball. I hope you have. Thanks, Sam. It's good to hear somebody with South in their mouth. Well, Kentucky I'm, south of their mouth. <laughs> south of my mouth and proud of it. Yes, indeed. Charleston's a whole different kind of south, but anyway. yeah, yeah. But people <laughs> from Charleston don't have much of an accent. It's weird, you know. That's hired, interesting. <laughs> at one radio station, I hired a girl who was born and bred in Charleston, and uh, she had uh, virtually no accent whatsoever. I'm thinking. Interesting. Well, I guess you get on the coast and you get a mixture of you know, imports and all those people from other places. And <laughs> and people, people in Northern South Carolina and North Carolina sound more Southern than people in this part of the state. Go figure. Yeah. Even though you're farther South down there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of life's head scratchers. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll do this again sometime. Thanks, Sam. Have a good one. John Quincy is the man with the plan, especially when it comes to classic radio and preserving it. Now, just so we uh, can clarify, a voice track, I know we mentioned a voice track at least once in our conversation. That is basically a pre-recorded show. By the time you hear it, it's uh, already been in the can for a while. So, like, if you hear a, a DJ's voice on the radio at 3 in the afternoon, in some cases... You know, that show could have been prepared that morning or maybe the day before, a couple days before, but that's a voice track. It's basically a pre-recorded radio show that was done ahead of time prior to when you're actually hearing it, just so that makes a little more sense to you. But you can definitely gain an abundance of appreciation for the rich and extensive history of radio by perusing those tribute pages that John Quincy has developed. And I'll link you to lkyradio.com in my show notes, okay? So you can just uh, click on that link to access the site. And from that site, you can link to uh, the other tribute pages devoted to Louisville stations, WAKY and WKLO. There are so many... Great nuggets from those stations. They each have their own tribute pages. So you can link to them via LKY, and you can link to LKY through my show notes, okay? So it couldn't be much easier. And I sure appreciate John taking time to be with us. In fact, when we had that conversation, it was actually Mr. Quincy's day off. So I'm glad he didn't consider that work. And I hope he had as much fun as as I know we all had. So thanks so much. John, for joining us. Now, there are a number of great people 
who uh, aren't necessarily celebrities, but they have meant a lot to a lot of people, and they have made their mark on the Commonwealth, whether they work in radio or TV, news, sports, what have you, and a lot of them deserve a spotlight here on my show, and I'm familiar with a number of these people, but not anywhere near all of them, and that's where you come in, guys and gals. I need your emails with suggestions for future guests and topics, bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com is my email address, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. Whether it's a great restaurant that still seems to be a best-kept secret in your mind, or maybe it's not a secret and they've been thriving for a while. As long as, they're, <laughs> as, long as they've got good food, hey, I want to promote them, okay? Good food in the Commonwealth, a restaurant in Kentucky. That, that is part of the criteria, but I have featured a number of restaurants and want to feature many more. Also, state parks, musicians, Kentucky instructors who are making a difference in the classroom. Also, healthcare heroes, whether they be doctors or nurses, what have you. I have featured several of those. And I'm open to uh, suggestions for different avenues as well. As long as these people and subjects have connections to Kentucky they are uh, definitely fair game for consideration in my book, so send me those emails. Also, feel free to hit me up on the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page, which I need you to like and follow, because all of my previous shows are there, and we've got over 100 of them now, so feel free to uh, peruse the archives and uh, enjoy shows that you haven't heard, relive those that you enjoyed so much that you just want to hear again. You can also uh, keep up with teasers for future plans that I present about once a week or so, and you can make comments, and you can leave messages. Now, good Lord willing, Creek Don't Rise, December the 7th is our next scheduled show. So that is next Wednesday, creeping up on Christmas. It'll be here before we know it, not to rush you on your shopping or anything, but uh, December 7th is when we plan to come on back to ne- uh, come on back action next, so you make sure that you're here and remember that... Regardless of what anybody tells you, hey, you are the glue that keeps this show together. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. It is a joint effort between you and me, so make sure you're here for our next powwow. And before we wrap this thing up and call it a week, let's reveal the answer of this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we brought to you at the very beginning of the show, and of course, we reminded you that WHAS in Louisville, that was the first radio station in Kentucky. They signed on in 1922, and today, I wanted to know what was the very first television station in Kentucky, and that was Wave TV, W-A-V-E, also in Louisville. They signed on on Thanksgiving Eve 1948, and it was founded by a guy named George W. Norton, who was a prominent attorney in Louisville at the time. He actually founded Wave Radio, W-A-V-E Radio, 15 years sooner in 1933, so it was only fitting that he, uh, you know, broaden his horizons and venture into the TV realm, which he did in 1948 when he founded and established WAVE-TV right there at the corner of Preston and Broadway in Louisville, and it has been an NBC affiliate ever since its origin. Way back, let's see, that would have been 74 years ago now. That history is... It is just astounding. But anyway, Wave TV in Louisville, that was the state's very first television station. So come on back next week for another Brain Buster. And make sure that you listen and subscribe to the show without paying one pretty penny via a number of podcast directories, including Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal. We've had those for a while. And recently, we've added iHeartRadio. We've added Boomplay, Amazon Music, and even a few others. If we're not a part of your favorite directory as of yet, email me that information, Facebook me that information, so that we can do everything in our power to make sure that we are a part of those directories as soon as humanly possible. And until we get together again, you know your assignment. Same as always, keep laughing Keep smiling and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. Cause we're blabbing.
bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.